1: Welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your co-host, Daryl, Amy, here with fresh in from Miami, Florida, Larry Levine. How's it going? Yeah, I can't believe you're on the podcast. You just did a cross-country flight and boom, here you are ready to share your nuggets of wisdom with the rest of the world. (laughs) I got to tell you, how are the the pretzels on the flight?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's not only the pretzels. I mean, I love Southern California, Daryl. You know, I brag about it all the time. But right. there, there's great weather everywhere. But I'll tell you what, humidity just kicks my backside. And it really wasn't even that bad. I'm like dying. I'm sweating
1: and all that. I'm like oh my going, gosh, you're complaining about the snow in Canada. You're <laughs> complaining about the humidity in, in Florida, you California guys. Come on, man. I know we're, we're wimps,
0: right? But that, but that's okay. I, I came back to 85 degrees on a Friday and I love
1: it. So, oh uh, well, life is, life is good tonight. You can swip, sip your fine wine and sit around the fire while the rest of us are freezing to death. <laughs> That's good. Well, hey, welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. I'm glad you joined us today. We're not here to talk about the weather. We're not here to listen to spoiled California brats complain. We're here to talk about Selling from the Heart. And if you're new, welcome. We're glad you joined the community of <laughs> sales professionals. I can already tell where this is going, Daryl. Yeah, we're dedicated to being genuine, authentic, real, doing the hard work and selling from the heart. We're glad you're here. It's going to be good. And and if uh, if you're back from last week, I hope you did the hard work of really digging in and uh, working on articulating your value proposition, making a commitment to add value by bringing value to your customers through learning. And so here we are today, and I think we're going to have a great time today based on the topic. But our topic, uh, it really kind of, I think, it's, is, is been best expressed in, um, as we've been kind of chattering about different things all week, it's best expressed based on your experience this morning in getting from the hotel to the airport. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we're,
0: and we're always talking about you know, the experience economy. And we can say, Hey, you know, depending on your industry, you operate in, it could be a replacement economy. It could be the yeah. customer experience economy. It could be the relationship economy. And we can go on and on and on, right? The technology economy. But right. what's really interesting is, you know, as you know, I travel as well as you do, and I just become Uber's my best friend. Yeah. Um, And in fact, you know, when I can't take Uber and I'm forced to take a taxi, I cry like a little baby because I know <laughs> what I'm doing for. Both. But, but what was really interesting in this ride this morning, Daryl, was I got into. Pro- I didn't want to get out of the. I didn't want to get out of it. Right. We we sat in front of the airport and we talked for like another five minutes, only because it was dark thirty this morning.
1: Uh-huh. But the
0: Uber driver was it, was. it was a great guy. He was a retired economic guy from the Dominican Republic. And it was this, the most fascinating conversation I think I've ever had. But what I asked him was, you, you know, it's just a typical small talk, right, Daryl? You've been in Uber right. before. So, and, and a lot of our listeners, I'm sure they have as well. And you always just start off with the small talk, the why, yeah. why are you here? Where are you going? All that type of BS. So I said, Hey, you know, I'm just curious from your opinion, what has Uber done to the taxi industry. Mm. And I wanted to hear it from an Uber driver, right? Because, you know, you and I do a lot of sales training. I do sales coaching, things like that. We're always talking about the Uber model, but you know what? I wanted to hear it from an Uber driver. So what did he say? So he goes, listen, and it was so funny. He just the rear view mirror a little bit, even though it's dark, dude, I can't really even see the guy, but he adjusts it So at least I like look at his eyes. Right. And have a conversation, right. but he says Uber has changed the experience that the passenger gets from going from point a to point B mm-hmm. I go and I'm like going, Oh man, this guy needs to, this guy needs to be my Uber driver permanently because I, I think I'm going to really <laughs> love this conversation. And I said, okay, so tell me more. And he says, here's the issue with the taxi industry, right? Besides right, right. all the other things he said that I just didn't want to get into, they weren't sure. negative, but it was just sure. for the sake of the podcast. And he says, here's the issue with taxis. And they're slowly having to adapt to the Uber model. He says, yeah. if you hail a taxi, right? You open the door, you don't know who the driver is, right? You don't know any of the reviews, they don't know any recommendations. You get into that taxi cab and you say, Hey, can you take me to dot 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 address, right? Yep. And then, and and then, right. And then all of a sudden, it's the experience that you get, which we're all familiar with with taxi cabs, right? Yeah, absolutely. He says, But when you get an Uber, you get the app on your phone, right? You plug in where you're going. It identifies where you're at, right? Yeah. It searches for a driver. The driver accepts the ride. Yeah. And then from there, once the rides accepted, you can go, okay, well, here's, there's a guy, four stars, 4.84, 4.75, right? We all know. We see it. And then here's all the recommendations. Right. And it's, so they've really changed the model. And this guy just, he, he just loves it for the simple reason is he enjoys having conversation with people.
1: Well, I mean, this whole thing about the client experience is, is so spot on, right? Because I think it comes back to us as sales professionals to go, okay, well, what kind of client experience are we creating for our prospects and our clients? Now, granted, I know there's certain things we work for companies. There may be things that we can influence and not directly control, But I'll tell you what, there are plenty of things that we can control as sales professionals when it comes to the experience our clients have throughout the entire buying process and throughout the entire, um, you know, life cycle or journey of of being our client. And uh, (laughs) I'm with you, man. I I just, I had to take a taxi recently because I was in a city that didn't have Uber and uh, I hated it. I hated every minute of it. It just, you know, I didn't like it. And to me, it's not even about the price. Um, an Uber can charge more than a taxi. I, I can't believe they're discounting and not making money because in my opinion, you know, just the whole experience is, is worth more. Um, and I was, uh, you know, on my LinkedIn profile this morning, I was, I was laughing because I was sitting in my creative suite, which, uh, is also known as Starbucks. And <laughs> of course, you know, paying what four bucks for a cup of coffee instead of, of a of dollar five at or, or whatever at, at, uh, at uh, 7-Eleven or uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Sorry if I've just offended anybody. But, uh, you know, the thing is, it's about the experience, right? I didn't pay four bucks for a cup of coffee. I paid $1.25 for a cup of coffee and and their balance of it, I paid for the experience uh, of walking in. They knew what I wanted. It was ready. I paid for it. I sat down in a, a comfortable environment and did some work. And it, to me, it was a good deal because of the experience. But we got to think about the... The people that they that work with us, I mean, let's 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 just get it out there. By and large, I think we can agree. We don't have to do a survey. People overall, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. People overall have a negative. They they look at sales reps like I look at taxi cabs. Overall, okay. So the, okay. The so bar why, is like really low, right? People so wh- so why is clients. that? So why
0: do you think that is? Because I, I have my own take on it, but I want to hear it from you. What, I mean, why do you think the bar is set massively low, Daryl, for sales reps? Oh my gosh! I mean, I mean, we, I mean, we can rant for hours on this, and and you know, I'm a sales guy at heart, right?
1: Always have been, always will be, right? But oh gosh, there's so many reasons. I think uh, you know the the bottom line is most most sales most sales reps have walked into customer offices, prospects offices, or, or homes or whatever that, you know, they, they just like reek of commission breath. Right. It's so it's all, you know, what's in it for me and how fast can I close this deal and how can I, you know, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, where there's mystery, there's margin. How, how can I, you know, finagle something, um, you know, and it's not just the used car business, but I mean, it's, it, it, I think it reeks of self-interest, and, um you know it i it's just a reality. It's like the taxicab thing, and you know, it's not that taxicab drivers are bad people, but let's just be honest, does anybody have a positive impression of the taxicab industry no it, it well it no
0: because they've done it to themselves so, well, so and so- and it, it, and it's the same, but it's the same thing,
1: Daryl, with sales reps, right? It's the, I mean, we, I don't we give it. a rip and it's, you know, you're inconveniencing me. It's that, it's that, it's that attitude of what's in it for me. But I think that's actually a good thing because, um, you know, to the, the, because the bar is set so low, um, you know, and, and let's, let's think about the world before, um, Starbucks or, you know, if you're a coffee snob, I get that, uh, before the independent coffee shop. You know, let's think about that world before then. It was, if you wanted a cup of coffee, you're driving through a McDonald's or, a, you know, a 7-Eleven and, and, you know, it, that was the world when no one cared about coffee, you know, it, you know, it was burnt sitting on the burner and and it would taste bad. So the bar was set low for someone to come in and offer a better experience with a great quality drink and a place you actually wanted to hang out, um, you know, for a little while. Sales is the, uh, sales is the same thing uh, sales is the same thing in terms of, I think in some ways people's experience with sales reps is, is, uh, the bar is set pretty low. So for us to, to ask ourselves a question as sales professionals, just like, uh, just like Starbucks did years ago, just like Uber did, you know, not so long ago, what could I do to make this experience better? I think that's a high leverage question to ask yeah. because anything we can do to make that experience better for the buyer is going to set us apart. And, you know, I, I would, I'll, once again, i laugh at Uber losing money because I would pay more for Uber. I'd certainly pay as much. Um, and I, I, I every day pay more for a cup of coffee at Starbucks than I would at, uh, at any other place because I want the experience. And so as sales professionals, how do we create that experience? And how do we, how do we create that, um, you know, with that bar being set so low, what are some practical things that we can implement that, um, that, that are going to, to improve, uh, the prospect's experience with us? Well, I'll,
0: I'll tell you what I did and you, I mean, you and I have known each other for quite some time and I, you know, just the other day before I, before I was traveling, you know, I, I just did a video blog. Right. And I just said, Hey guys, you know, to me, sales isn't rocket science, relationship buildings, not rocket science. Right. And, and I think what, what we're talking about is fairly simple, but I think we make it so complicated as sales reps. But what I found out a long time ago, when I say a long time ago, Daryl, I'm going past 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I did is I sat with my clients. I sat with, as I was involved in new business opportunities, right? Yeah. New client opportunities and so forth. I would just start asking people, hey, you know, just got a quick question for you. It's off the record, right? Has nothing to do with with what I'm here to try to discuss. But I just I just want to know what's your perception of salespeople, right? (laughs) What do you okay? But but it but it is, but it's a great learning experience. And I said, hey, you know, and it's not off on to say because it's part of relationship building. But what I did, well, I mean, it was fascinating because you know, the industry that I came out of, right. Which is just, you know, black eye central when it comes to sales reps, (laughs) but it's, but it's, it's interesting because the list of dirty laundry was 10 times longer than the list of clean laundry. Right. So all I had to do mentally in my opinion, was take the dirty laundry and run it through the washing machine and dry it out and just flip it on its head. Right. So for every, that's great. That's great. But, but, but for every negative thing, I just did the complete opposite and I changed the experience. Right. So if somebody says, Hey, you know, sales reps always have broken promises. Okay. Well, how hard is that one to fix? Keep promises. Just just keep your promises. Right. So that's sales reps. Don't call me back. We'll call the people back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh my God! This stuff is not rocket science, Daryl. Yeah, so good. I read. I, I'm just kind of jumping up and down because I read a great article this morning by uh, Seth Godin. I'm a bit of a Seth Godin junkie. I follow his blog. In his blog this morning, there was a guy that wrote uh, a book called "Rules for Radicals." It was how to like totally demolish society. And um, what Seth Godin? They, there were 13 rules. And uh, what Seth Godin did was, well, what if we just flip those on his head rather than how to demolish society, how to make society yep. better. And, you know, so he wrote the the opposite. And I think that's that's great is to go and go, okay, well, what do people say uh, that they hate about salespeople and how do we flip that on its head? So you've given some very key promises yeah. <laughs> that, bingo return phone calls. What else? I
0: mean, I mean, it's just, it's simple stuff, but you know, here's, here's the one that I really want to, that I really want to dwell on because I see it. I saw it when I was out working with sales teams, I see it consistently as you brought it up in the beginning, you know, value, right? Yeah. I provide great value. Well, I think to me personally, you're probably going to hate me for saying this, but that's okay. Because I think value is just this overused word because everyone just says that,
1: Hey, we provide great value. What is value? I'm not, I'm not mad at you for that at all, but I, I think that we have to add value, uh, you know, value add equals gross profit. Everybody, every oh, sales dude, say add. that again, dude, that was money, by the way, you got, value, what was that again? I, well, I ask, I, you know, it's so funny because I asked this all the time during training and, and, you know, I say, how many of you want to make more money this year than you made last year? Everybody wants oh. to make more money. Okay, well, how are you going to make more money? Because I don't know what industry you're in, but, you know, every industry has some kind of pressure competitive-wise and, and all of that. And, and the reality is, if, if you want to make more money, you've got to add more value, right? Value add equals gross profit. So the more- But,
0: but Daryl, but here's profit. the
1: problem. How many sales-ups truly even know the value they're bringing? That's so the there's your deal. Right. So, so it, it's not even that, that they know the value they're bringing uh, it's do they understand what the client values? Yeah. So, you know, if you want to, if you want a better experience, I think the very first, the in addition to tech kind of taking the, the list of uh, things people hate about sales reps and flipping it on its head, which I smell a blog post coming, Larry. Uh, oh. But uh, well, well, Hey, but, I, but I tell
0: you, cause I, and my blog post for this weekend Yes. Is you are what
1: your customers say you are. Ah, well, there, I mean. Which back. is right in line. So, so, so you, the, the important thing is what are the clients value? And I'll tell you what a client values. If you're in the B2B space or in the B2C, you're in the commercials or, or consumer space, it really doesn't matter. The question is, what is your client value? And and I was preaching this to, to groups of sales reps and some of the training I was doing just in the last couple of weeks is you know, you've got to understand your client's core business drivers. You've got to understand what's what they're aiming at, what their top goals are, because here's here's the bottom line. Number one, there's only a certain amount of resource and resources, time and money. So there's only a certain amount of time and money that a business leader has, and they're going to focus that on their top goals. And so if you don't know what their top goals are in their business, and I don't care if it's directly related or indirectly related to what you're selling. If you don't know what those top goals are, you're done toast, right? I mean, you you toast because you may have the best idea in the world, but if you don't know what their top goals are, they're not going to move. They're going to focus, always focus their time and energy on the top goals. And so, you know, as salespeople, if we want to add value, first of all, we've got to start talking about their, them, their business, their personal, their life. If you're in the consumer space, what, what is important to them? Because until, until we have that conversation, I had some pushback from some sales reps in training, going, why do I want to talk about that? It's not directly related to what I'm selling. And you because, know, my response it's not, is well, it's because, totally related.
0: Well, you're, you're right. And, and it gets, and it gets back out of it. I mean, you and I talk about it all the time is these sales reps got to get out of the me economy because it's not about me.
1: Right. So, uh, well, and the, you know, go back to a better experience. Um, you know, what do people hate about sales reps commission breath? It's all about me. So we'll flip it on its head and make it all about them. And we've got to understand their, their, their drivers, the, you know, and not from a position of, <laughs> one, of one of my, what well, is becoming one of my least favorite terms and with all due respect to, uh, Neil Rackham, cause I think he's great, but we talk about pain points and it's like dripping with salesy, you know, I want to understand your pain points so I can sell you something. No, I want to understand your aspirations, your goals, where you're trying to go as a business or an individual. What are you looking towards? And, and, and not from a manipulative standpoint, but I, I, from a genuine truly want to understand that. And, and if there are ways that I, that I can help with that, or if there, if there are obstacles in your way that I can remove um, to help you get those things, then great. Um, and guess what? usually there are, I mean, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be in business if you didn't have something that could remove some obstacles or help people achieve their goals. So these conversations aren't wasted, but, um, I think as salespeople, if we want to create a better experience, we've got to genuinely care about the people that we're, we're working with. And we've got to ask them, you know, what's important to you? Hey, by the way, when you're thinking about this year ahead, what are you most excited about? What's got most of your attention right now? What, you know, what are you driving towards, and really caring, and not you know not coming up with these like manipulative questions, yeah. uh, you know that that what are you driving towards related to what I sell, <laughs> or,
0: you know? Well, well so, I know I know that, but but here you know I'm I'm here I'm I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm all I can think about is a conversation that I had because this is all t- going to tie together. What you're saying is going to, my comment is going to tie directly into this in a second. So I'm having a conversation yesterday with our good buddy, Mike Garrison. Ah, I love Mike. And Mike is just salt to the earth. Just one fantastic guy and his big thing. Obviously this guy, in my opinion is the king of how sales reps leverage referrals. Right. But this is where I'm going with where this is what was going through my head when I was listening to what you were saying, because so many sales reps focus on the bottom of the sales funnel, Mm Daryl, that they can't engage in these conversations because what are they doing? They're looking for ways. Just they're looking for stuff when the ball's on the five to 10 yard line or at the bottom of the sales funnel. Mm -hmm. So all of this stuff, there's no time for it. Right. Right. So where this is going to start making sense to our listeners And when you start having these great conversations is when you look at engaging in these conversations at top of the sales funnel or top of the relationship funnel. Right. Yeah. And I think this is what I think this is where what you and I are saying is going to hit home. But the problem is sales reps in general. And I'm going to say this straight across the board are engaging in manipulative conversations and questions when the, when the sales at the bottom of the sales funnel getting ready to come out, right. As opposed to the more conversations you have, the more, the more people you're meeting, the more times you're sharing your story. A lot of this stuff is done where it's done at the top of the funnel, because if you're engaging at the bottom of the funnel, no one has time for any of these questions, well, and that's I, my opinion. I mean, I could yeah. be wrong, but that's just, that's just my thought on the, on this thing.
1: Oh man. Uh, but all, but going back to this better experience thing, I think that, that, you know, this, where, where I'm, I'm kind of feeling this and, and I, I think that this, you know, <laughs> every time we do these podcasts, Larry, it's like, you know, I'll go off in a face, punch in a gut. No, this whole experience thing is what kind of experience are you creating? And, and, uh, you know, the Uber versus taxi cab, the Starbucks versus 7-Eleven, you know, these experiences, the, the, the amazing thing is that I think in so many cases, the bar is set so low. So the low hanging, we're, we're all looking for low hanging fruit, right? We're all looking to go, yeah. where's this low hanging fruit that I can grab? And we're doing it at the bottom of the funnel, trying to snag stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you're walking through the field and you see a, you know, ear of corn that's ripe and ready to pick, grab grab it, but we gotta, we gotta sow some seeds while we're walking through the field as well. And, and as we're, as we're creating a better experience, my goodness, what an incredible opportunity to differentiate. And, uh, yeah, but, but, but that's a, but that's, but that's a problem, Daryl, right then and there is, you know, and it,
0: obviously we're not going to have time to really go through it all now, but it's, what is that experience? And most sales reps don't even know the experience. They don't understand what it means to bring that
1: experience. Yeah. But I think what you were saying is, you know, if you were to list out, and I think all of us could do this pretty quickly, just to list out what do people hate about sales reps in your industry? Or sales reps in general. You know, what do people hate about sales reps? List that out and then go, okay, well, how could I do the opposite? Hello, it's not, I mean, it's, right? It, I mean, it's really, it's not that hard. And, and in doing the opposite, really be able to, to stand out. So return phone calls, give a rip, listen, you know, because, and, and, and you know where you can share this as telling a story and I love telling stories and
0: I used it to my advantage because once I knew say the five to 10 things that yeah. my buyer, or my clients or whatever just started just to despise some sales reps, right. I started using it in a story and I'd say something like, Hey, Daryl, I know at a certain point in time, I can almost guarantee this, Daryl, <laughs> that you've experienced something like this, right? right? And you list them out. One, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> right. Is that not true? And then, Daryl, you're going to say, oh, my eyes. God, you I have, have no I have, idea. You have no idea. And guess what? Well, let me share with you, right? Let yeah. me share with you if at some point we engage in further conversation, and something happens, and that something happens where you entrusted me to do business with me. This is what you're gonna get boom,
1: boom, boom, and boom. That's so good. You know, we're taught, we learn objection handling. If you go through <laughs> sales training, you learn <laughs> objection handling, but so many of the objections up front have nothing to do with your product, your company. They have to do with, I just don't wanna to talk to a salesperson. Right. So so to, to think about it from that perspective and, and begin to, to even proactively handle those objections of, yeah, they never return phone calls or a bunch of lying dirt bags that, you know, they're always self-interest, all that. Even thinking about how you can position yourself um, online. We talk a lot about LinkedIn, obviously. Uh, but even how you can position yourself up to proactively handle those objections and go, I'm not you know, I'm different. I'm not a taxi cab. I'm different. You know, you're going to know when I arrive. You're going to know where we are. You're not going to have to sit in the cab for ten minutes as I complain that you're trying to comp- pay by credit card. You can just get out of the car and leave. You yeah. know, and, and all of that. And you know, those are the things. And and so as we end the the, the podcast today, and thanks for joining us. I was so glad uh, that you're here. It just means the world. We get to hear back from from folks all over uh, North America and, and now all over the world that are engaging with this podcast. We love hearing from you on LinkedIn. Um, we love, uh, love your comments back to us. Uh, so keep that up. Keep sharing the good word because here's the deal. We've got an incredible opportunity as sales professionals in a world of sameness and in a world where, quite frankly, the bar is pretty low to go out and shine and actually make a difference and in the process make a great income, um, for ourselves, for our families, um, and all of that. And that's exciting. That is incredibly exciting. So what I want to challenge everybody to do this week is I want to challenge you to think of five things that people hate about sales reps in your industry, write them down. And then in the next column over go, what's the exact opposite and how can I start being the exact opposite um, and, and see what, that's, what difference that's going to make. You might already be doing some of those things, but I bet there's something that you could do that would help you deliver a better experience to your clients and prospects. And I think it's going to make a big difference in, in your not only your sales, but I think your enjoyment of what you do. And that's exciting. So as we wrap up though, as always, we just want to encourage you, be genuine, be real, be authentic, do the hard work, Be the opposite of the dirt bags that you sell against. And most of all, sell from the heart.